Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Neil Garfield Show. A pre- Welcome to the Neil Garfield Show, a presentation sponsored by The Living Lies Blog, GTC Honors, LendingLies.com, and The Garfield Firm. Servicing all 50 states and 24 countries with news and analysis about the largest economic crime in human history. This program is for general information only and should not be used as a substitute for legal advice or consultation with a licensed professional. This show is not intended as a solicitation for the engagement of any services. And now, sitting in for Neil this week, it's your host, Charles Marshall. Hello, everyone. Here we are, June 3rd, 2021, and another episode of the Neil Garfield Show. So today's topic is the national and the associated state foreclosure and eviction moratoriums. They are set to expire June 30th, 2021. Uh, That's less than a month away at this point. And by the way, as always, if listeners have other information that indicates this is going to be extended. I don't have that uh, information myself at this point. And the states are tracking quite largely uh, with the national moratorium. Some states, in fact, have already pulled the, uh, the eviction ban. The foreclosure moratorium is really at the national level, though there are state correlates to it. And uh, that's kind of the first thing we'll cover here, and I'll, I'll go into some details there. The eviction ban is more complicated, particularly for our listeners and those, you know, in the foreclosure arena. I mean, the eviction ban is meant to primarily, one might even say exclusively, though the purpose of law is always to find jurisdictions that can be used in various contexts. Uh, That's not fraud, by the way. That's not uh, option sifting. That's not misuse of legal procedure. That is legal procedure. Legal procedure properly construed, properly handled, properly advanced is using prevailing law, sometimes in creative ways, which the opposition, whoever they may be, and for purposes of what we advocate on this show and for purposes of what Neil, uh, Bill Padalo, and, and I put our life's work toward is advancing the rights of those impacted by the the institutional foreclosure gorilla, one might say, elephant. And we, of course, specialize, you know, and I don't don't mean that in a legal claim way. We focus on securitized loans uh, because we, we have established and we do believe and we have a large, of course, body of work supporting the principle that the securitized loans are largely 
bogus in the sense that there is no ultimate payor or payee and these loans are essentially being paid repeatedly through various schemes, including insurance schemes. We discussed on the show fairly recently uh, this, the, the way that there are essentially now institutional organizations like Black Knight that aggregates a large number of service payments and so that, in, in effect, your servicer is not really who you think they are. So what we are discussing today is quite a bit off uh, in another stream than that. It's a critical stream, though, and it's something that we've all been dealing with in this COVID era. Uh, when the originally original COVID-19 restrictions came down, March of 2020. So now we're going back basically one year and almost three months. So this is quite a long while. Uh, many of you will recall that the the national eviction and foreclosure moratoriums went into effect in mid-March of 2021. And many of the state uh, bans related to foreclosures and evictions, and many of the state frameworks, which were mainly by executive action, but not exclusively, those uh, are expiring or have expired. Uh, Hawaii is expiring in June. Here we are in June. Uh, California, there is going to expire uh, June 30th. Um, Illinois actually expired May 29th and going down some of the other states a number of them are June 30th so if I don't include them here then listeners I think reasonably can conclude that their date is June 30th Uh, Nevada actually ended in May and Las Vegas, the Strip, it's all open again as of uh, early June. They essentially are back. Well, actually, uh, I'm sorry, I meant to say mid-May. Nevada is largely back full throttle. If, if those of you who live in Nevada have other information, uh, it's always good to correspond with Neil on his blog. That way you can update from your own perspective and your own information, as I've said many times on this show, uh, we are more an aggregator of information here. We are not a promulgator of legal advice. We don't give legal advice. Uh, What we do provide perspective and information so that listeners can follow up from what we provide and do their own research amplify, augment the the research uh, that we do and which we provide perspective on, and then consult with attorneys in the area of foreclosure or real estate law and sometimes unlawful detainer related to post-foreclosure evictions uh, 
so that our goal is to set the table in an unofficial, informal way uh, for those who are inclined uh, to, to fight the, the system, of the institutional framework that literally uh, bears down on borrowers and those closure, former homeowners, technically, according to the law, uh, who ends up getting evicted because of uh, a foreclosure. So uh, some of the other states and states, uh, New Jersey is actually set to expire in mid-June, their eviction moratorium. New Mexico technically May 28, 2021. Now, some of you, some of you may be in New Mexico, and you may have different information. I mean, I'm going with what looks to be credible current information. I will tell you that there are a lot of limits to getting accurate information, uh, not least where one would expect to get information is not necessarily available. To give a good example of that, I went to the CDC website today to find the latest about the eviction moratorium. Now, remember, getting back to basic framing, so I am going to be talking in more detail about the eviction moratorium, and listeners will know that I do jump around a bit uh, from time to time. It's simply the way my brain works. Nevertheless, to keep this in a sort of more organized framework so that listeners can get the best uh, advantage out of this particular program. For closure fronts, you have, you know, essentially every alphabet soup of government-backed loans, Fannie Mac, Freddie Mac, HUD, HFA, VA, USDA, and I don't even know that that's inclusive, that does cover a large percentage of the government-backed loans, which are covered by the foreclosure moratorium, and many of our listeners, well, at least at the front end with their loan having been originated uh, and potentially refinanced through any of those institutional frameworks where the loan money is coming through those government entities, uh, Fannie Mac, Freddie Mae, uh, HUD, FHA, VA, USDA, where that's your originator. And, of course, the USDA is going to be mainly involved in agricultural uh, matters, you know, maybe a, a loan on a farm enterprise of some kind, possibly uh, some, you know, secondary building on a farm of some kind that's receiving a loan related to the farm work, that type of thing. Uh, nevertheless, uh, for the vast majority of these other federally-backed loans, it's going to be our regular listeners who are in that situation. They will have taken that along with Fargo, U.S. Bank, and oftentimes they'll have taken it out with a more garden variety state bank in their area, but then it gets securitized. And all of a sudden, 
their so-called nominal trust holder, the so-called owner of their loan, is U.S. Bank or Chase or Wells Fargo or originally WAMU that then becomes Chase later. I think our listeners know well of what I speak in terms of where a lot of these securitized loans come from. So the moratorium has protected all of those loans is at the national level. Now, there are state companion protections. California has a very robust protection, and California's protection is, is set to expire, along with the federal one on June 30th. And when it comes to the eviction ones, uh, you know, the eviction ban, so to speak, now, this is a a little bit of a conundrum, and I'm going to go into a bit more detail because I'm still giving some of the basic framing. So, yes, I'm technically jumping around here because I'm, I'm not done talking about the foreclosure piece. I think it's important for me to address this eviction situation. Listeners should know that if you are in a post-foreclosure situation, and many of you who have been in this situation may have already found this to be the case in your state court proceedings with unlawful detainer or similar eviction proceedings in whatever state you're in, there's a real legal problem for former closed parties. And believe me, I know this intimately because I've litigated this very heavily. I I have mentioned this case before. Uh, I don't have specific case and and, uh, site information right now, and it's probably best that I don't go into that level of detail. Um, But I haven't provided, actually, uh, a case site before. I'm just saying I've referred to this case generally before. There's ongoing litigation. It's on appeal. I don't want to compromise any of that by discussing this case specifically on this show today. I will say that it's an unlawful detainer case out of Alameda County. In California, I will say that Alameda County, along with at one time six other Northern California counties, all literally ringing the Bay Area, basically ringing San Francisco Bay. Uh, you've got Contra Costa County, you've got Alameda County, you've got Marin County, you've got San Francisco County, you've got Santa Clara County, where uh, San Jose is, and you've got San Mateo County. They all had a pretty unified group uh, eviction ban. And what I'm describing now about Alameda is mostly how it works in the other counties as well. I am am not going to go into great detail, uh, since the purpose of my show today is to get into a lot more about other matters. I will say that it was litigated heavily by me in Alameda County because they had a ban that that essentially, I mean, virtually everyone was protected. And the the definition of renter was very broad. The very definition of tenant was very broad. Uh, The the, the definition of landlord or former owner or owner, quote-unquote, was very broad. Yet the court in my particular case, parsed and kind of segregated things out at such a high level of particularity 
that lo and behold, a uh, client was the the only uh, unlawful detainer case uh, uh, seemingly in Alameda County. I'm sure that's not true, but one of the few that I'm aware of where it was found that the eviction should go forward. And this was back in May last month, and it was really heavily litigated from February to, to April. And all results, so to speak, came down in, in May. And there's still a pending uh, hold the sheriff's evictions themselves. They're not doing lockouts. To my knowledge, in Alameda County, uh, certainly on any other basis, and they're holding the actual eviction trials until August is when they would potentially start. I mean, seriously, I believe that even if one were homeless and simply took over a property and broke in, or possibly uh, a gang of drug dealers and broke into a property, <laughs> I, I'm not being facetious if I say there's a good po- po- prospect or possibility that the eviction ban might apply to you. But lo and behold, if you're a post-foreclosure owner, former owner, then it doesn't apply to you, and you need to be kicked out. So so says Alameda County. And so say, I suspect, the other counties uh, in the San Francisco Bay Area, even though they have some of the most robust protections for uh, former, well, for, for those in an apartment, you know, renting a condo, that type of thing, where they're subject to an eviction. And so it's complex. I think the the availability of the eviction ban for tenants was always marginal when it was post foreclosure, and they're theoretically outside of the gambit of it. I will say that I did get the protection in Alameda County for this particular tenant for about 10 months, so they were able to go under that umbrella, but the ability of them to stay there until now it's the end of the summer practically uh, has been compromised because of these recent court rulings. Now, going back to the foreclosure front, on the foreclosure front, things are much clearer and the protections are much cleaner you know, a fundamental question is, what are the feds going to do? What are state governments going to do? I mean, they're all set uh, in unison a large number. I'd say more than half the states to simply, in fact, not just half the states. To put it another way, uh, New York is the only state I know. And, uh, and, again, those of you in other states where you know the eviction moratorium, not the well, yes, the eviction ban is one of the, the prongs, but we're talking about possibility also of some kind of mortgage relief continuing at the state level. And New York is the only state I know where you've got, for instance, the eviction ban going through until August 31st. So the short of what I'm trying to say is some states are already doing the evictions, like Texas, and the moratorium on the foreclosures, it will end on June 30th unless it's reauthorized by uh, essentially executive fiat and the by the administration or the Congress takes some action to essentially um, 
reauthorize the CARES Act, and that's an acronym that those in the listening audience can look up. It's kind of a wide umbrella encompassing both the foreclosure relief and the eviction relief. The most uh, salient thing I can say in terms of helping people who haven't availed of the foreclosure relief options at this point, I do believe you can still do that now. The June 30th uh, deadline actually goes through. It's going to, to, of course, kind of truncate what relief you can get. Theoretically, if you have a government-backed loan, you can, uh, you know, there are various websites. Uh, I personally use DuckDuckGo. I think it's a more effective web, web search engine than Google, but you could use Google. And you would simply do searches on the National Proposal Moratorium. And you're going to bring up a number of articles. Many of them will be dated. But eventually you're going to be able to go to a link which will take you to an actual form that you can fill out. And you have to make a certain declaration. Uh, uh, You know, you have to have some economic hardship, which many of our listeners do. And many of our listeners will have either lost their job over the last year because of the COVID-19 stuff or had their income reduced. It's not like you need some compelling showing here. You simply have to have had some hardship related to the COVID-19 pandemic, and you do a declaration, and you typically would, would submit it to your servicer. You also contact your servicer and request forms from them. So you need to be proactive about it. Uh, I think, frankly, there's an obligation on servicers to provide this information proactively. I have not seen that happen on any kind of a consistent basis. And I don't think the feds are framing option the way it was provided as, as having to come from the services proactively. So those who want to avail of this really need to pursue it on your own and look into it on your own. And again, unless it's extended now, there have been a number of three-month extensions. Uh, They go back, you know, all the way to last summer. So the extensions have gone back essentially a year at this point. And it was extended to January 31st. And then it was extended to March 31st. And then it was extended to June 31st. Now, whether it's going to be, uh, that is to say June 30th, there is no June 31st, uh, just to be clear. That is what our calendar is telling. But it does look like it might be extended to September 30th. I mean, when I say that, uh, I'm saying that with a thousand caveats. So, honestly, my own take is, I don't see it being extended to September 30th in the sort of global, uh, all-encompassing way. We're talking about the foreclosure moratorium. I don't see it getting that kind of extension uh, because it would be totally inconsistent with essentially a kind of national opening up of the country and the, the great reduction in COVID restrictions, you know, which which reduction is very um, consistent with and happening 
of course, at the same time with the the mass the mass COVID vaccination campaign. So even a state like California supposedly will quote unquote reopen on June fifteenth. And because many states have reopened, particularly big prominent ones like Florida and Texas, and even other significant states like Arizona, they've been open now for, in the case of Florida and Texas, months. And Arizona and some other ones more recently, but still for some time. So when you add all that up, if California does, quote, unquote, reopen on June 15th, and we'll see what that looks like shortly, of course. To continue the moratorium would seem to be inconsistent. So is there going to be some kind of stopgap to help uh, those who have already taken advantage of the foreclosure moratorium? There may well be. Um, I think it's safe to say that for those of you who have the protected status, you need to really look at seeking other alternatives now while you have time. Uh, Because even if there is some kind of continuance to the moratorium, it's not necessarily going to be a full bore, full coverage uh, protection for you where you can just let your arrears continue to pile up. And, you know, remember there's there's the ability – with the protection of the moratorium to apply for a forbearance as well. And, again, I'm not giving legal advice. I think that's a reasonable uh, angle to pursue when you look into this. And, again, I'm not making legal representations here, though it is my understanding that if one were to even sign up for the moratorium and the forbearance, even at this late date, that's not something that's prohibited. So if you contact your servicer about it, I don't believe your servicer can say, well, this moratorium is expiring June 30th. We're not going to let you sign up. We're not going to let you submit a declaration. We're not going to let you submit an application, so to speak. I think if you submit an application, let's say, in the next two or three weeks, that may well be accepted. And then to what extent, you know, see, this is one of the other issues is even with the expiration of the moratorium, that does not mean that you get no protection at all after the moratorium expires. It's it's complicated, and we're going to have to look at how that all plays out. On the other hand, because of the uncertainty of that factor that I just mentioned, what kind of protection, if any, are you going to have, my impression is there will be some I don't have details on that, and it's one of the areas that government agencies have failed to, I think, properly uh, describe. So your most proactive thing to do as as a borrower in foreclosure is to sign up for the moratorium now if you haven't done it. If you don't think you qualify, then... Of course, who am I to say that you would pursue that? You would have to look at the specific forms. I'm just saying that the qualifying criteria are quite broad. A lot of our listeners will be able to pursue that, so you should look into that. Now, going back to the eviction scenario, a final word on that is, one, these are seemingly coming to an end, 
uh, the, the, the national one through the CDC, uh, again, I was, I was mentioning before, it's not even on their website. I mean, I guess if I went through seven different links, seven different links, I might find it on their website. I didn't find it uh, looking pretty thoroughly at the website this morning. Nevertheless, uh, most states have these evictions or bans as well. But this has all been kind of weak, weak soup for uh, the borrowers who are in the eviction situation. So I think the thing to focus on is the moratorium. And that's all the time we have for today. And Neil will be back next week. Uh, In the meantime, uh, for those of you who have information about the continuation of any moratorium, do let Neil know. The opinions expressed on The Neil Garfield Show are those of its hosts and should not be ascribed to any other persons or entities. For more information about Neil, the blog, or upcoming seminars, please visit livinglies.me. Give us a call at 954-451-1230 or send an email to n-e-i-l-f-g-a-r-f-i-e-l-d at hotmail.com. Thank you for listening to The Neil Garfield Show. If the information has helped you, consider making a donation by visiting livinglies.me.